Welcome to the party, pal. Michael Duke's show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world, uh, on the internet, at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the live stream, the social media links, and everything else. And broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning. Welcome to the 6 o'clock club. Yep, that's right. You are, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, these beautiful golden dulcet tones... You, my friend, are an official member of the 6 o'clock club. Wear it with pride. Put a badge on. Slap your chest and tell everybody else how better you are than them. Because you got up early this morning to listen and become more informed, enlightened, and entertained than anyone else by listening to this program. Hello and good morning. Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week. Oh, man. It's a good Good stuff. It is the Michael Duke Show, and uh, we're ready to dive into it. Now, before I get into today, which is uh, fully loaded, fully loaded like a burrito supreme, today we're going to uh, do some good stuff. I'm going to tell you about that in a second. But first, let me tease you with the rest, tease you with the rest of the week. All right? So there we go. Uh, Coming up on Friday. Robbie Sove uh, with Reason Magazine and The Hill will be joining us uh, to talk about uh, all the stuff surrounding uh, gun control, Uvalde, all the different things. Uh, He's been writing about this pretty extensively, both for Reason Magazine and also for his gig uh, over at The Hill, where he is the host of uh, their daily uh, briefing called uh, Rising, and uh, it's good. Um, it's uh, it's going to be really good. So Robbie Sove is going to be joining us uh, on Friday, as well as in Hour 2, Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion, Season 4, and Willie Waffle. Friday is going to be busy, all right? So we've already got already got stuff laid out there as well. Uh, then in uh, on tomorrow, uh, we're hoping, fingers crossed, we're hoping to hear from uh, State Senator Mike Schauer, uh, who was unable to join us today. He had some conflicts, and so uh, we filled up today with uh, with other stuff. But we're hoping that tomorrow he will be able to join us on the program, and uh, we're working on uh, potentially having Sarah Palin back on. If not Sarah, then uh, maybe somebody else. Maybe uh, maybe uh, Nick or um, uh, Nick Baggage or Adam. Will, somebody. I don't know. We'll we'll have somebody on the program tomorrow, along with uh, Mike Shower. Still working. <clears throat> um, I teased this last week, and I haven't worked it out yet. 
but uh, still working on seeing if we can get Donna Ardwin on the program, former OMB director and uh, partner over there at Laffer, uh, uh, the Laffer Economic. I can't remember what the official name is, but it's, uh, you know, it's uh, Laffer and Moore and Ardwin, basically, the three of them, Stephen Moore and and uh, Laffer and uh, Donna Ardwin. Anyway, we're going to try and have her on to talk about something that was brought up last week by, uh, last week, week before, last week, by the Libertarian candidates for governor, uh, and that is the CAFR report, C-A-F-R, the CAFR report which is basically an audited accounting of state funds. Now, I've talked on and off about this for, well, I think probably going on close to two decades and how this is kind of the official audit of things that are going on in the state. And there's a lot of, uh, well, there's just a lot of questionable practice. Look, this whole thing with the state and the budget and everything else, to many of us, it's like sorcery, right? I mean, we understand a basic household budget. We may even stand understand a business budget. But when it comes down to government budgets, ooh, there's a whole lot of voodoo accounting that can go on in the background. And so uh, this is some confusing stuff going on. Uh, and the CAFR is one way to try and glean through some of this. And uh, it's been uh, it's been lauded and brought up by a variety of people and candidates over the years. Uh, and I think we need a I think we need a bare bones, I think we need a bare bones discussion on it, an explanation. And I think Donna is probably, uh, I think Donna is probably the uh, one to talk with about that. So we're gonna we're gonna see if we can get Donna um, uh, on board. Uh, she has uh, tentatively agreed, but we have not set a date yet. So I'm working on that as well. Um, I expect that we're going to have. Um, <clears throat> I expect that we're going to have a uh, lot of guests over the next few weeks as we get into this because, um, you know, things are going to start to heat up now before the primary. Uh, now, not as much as I had expected uh, because – let me get into that in a second. Let me get into that in just a second. So what's on today's show? Well, I am glad you asked. Um, I'm, I'm glad, uh, that you asked about this because it's going to be a full day in hour one this morning. Uh, we are going to get a chance to chat with somebody who I have admired from afar for quite a while. And that is Nalik Trupp, who is, uh, otherwise known as the Eskimo Libertarian. And uh, she uh, is a liberty activist here in the state of Alaska who has uh, made quite a splash across the country. She's worked with many different organizations, including Muddied Waters, Muddied Waters Media. Uh, she's also part of Spike Cohen's team putting together the uh, uh, You Are the Power movement and more. I'm, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and this is going to be a real just casual conversation about um, you know, her experiences in the liberty movement in Alaska and, you know, what she hopes to achieve and just a little bit, just to get to know you. Like I said, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm not fanboying or anything, but boy, I'm fanboying a little bit because she does a lot of good work and, uh, I really enjoy, uh, watching what she's done and, uh, finally broached some things with her recently and, and, uh, she was able to hook me up with Spike Cohen and it's, uh, it's been a really, 
it's been a long time coming, and I'm looking forward to this conversation here in just a few minutes with the Eskimo Libertarian. Uh, then in hour two, uh, we are going to be talking with uh, Timothy Givens, who is a Republican candidate for uh, House, uh, House District 32. Last week, we got a chance to talk with the candidate, Will Stapp, who uh, came on board and shared uh, his view and vision on what he sees and what he thinks the legislature needs to do. Um, I will, again, admit that um, that was, uh, I wouldn't say unsatisfying. It was, it, it was, I was not happy with all the answers, especially around the PFD and government spend and some other things with Will. Um, and even though the, he's a listener to the program as well, both he and Timothy, I thought it was ironic that two of these guys uh, who have both uh, been following the show for quite a while uh, took part in this. But it just goes to show you that not, you know, that everybody who listens to the show doesn't necessarily have to uh, agree with me. <laughs> so it's uh, it's all it's all good. So we're going to talk with Timothy Givens and get his hot take on what's going on uh, about this as well. So that's coming up. Oh, I see. Harold is already bringing out the whole thing about Eskimo. Um, I'm going to let I'll let uh, Nalik uh, deal with that since she's the one that's uh, talking about it and. Uh, <laughs> deal with it uh people are already thinking that's derogatory you use the word no uh it's uh it's it's okay um anyway so we're going to talk about those things as well all right let me get back to what i was talking about a second ago which was the race and um you know what we're going to be seeing again I'm, i'm trying to work on getting more guests on board um quite honestly i'd like to get some more guests who don't agree with me i actually like that better but i think a lot of times people are scared. They, they, you know, they they may not even listen to the show, but they maybe they've heard the chatter or the you know the the words being dropped or my name being dropped about because I take a certain viewpoint. I think they assume that we can't have a relevant, um, honest, and polite conversation about things that you know we may even disagree with. Now, if you've listened to the program for years. It, you know that I'm not, I'm not the gotcha guy. I'm not the guy that screams and yells over other. T- I mean, just that's not my style. If you disagree with me, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I just want to know why. I just, you know, we'll have a conversation about it. But um, it uh, anyway. It uh, I would like to have more of those kind of candidates come in as well. Uh, what what I was saying is, I think things are going to pick up now, not as much as we expected because. With the new ballot measure number two election system, the jungle primary, and the ranked choice voting, it's kind of made this primary irrelevant uh, for the for the most part. Uh, for the especially for like the House candidates and things like that, House and Senate candidates, because again, every one of them <clears throat> is going to be passing on to the general election, with the exception of House District Thirty Five, which has five candidates. So only four of the five candidates are going to progress. But of all the other 58 seats that are up for re-election, everybody's going on, you know, everybody is going on to the, uh, uh, to the, uh, gen- uh, to the general. So it doesn't matter. So I don't think things are going to heat up quite as bad. So I guess that's good news for you. You won't be quite as inundated with the uh, election advertising and everything else that you, uh, that you usually see leading up to a primary. But I think it's going to start to heat up right before the primary. And then between August and November – Ooh, Katie, bar the door. 
you'll have uh, then you'll have people out there. But it's also kind of throwing a wrench into this whole thing um, as far as with multiple candidates from the same party. I think a lot of people are going to be like, I'm not sure which one to support or I don't want to support them because I don't want to make other people mad or I just I there's just like a whole whole bunch of stuff going on. So I'm excited to kind of watch that and see that. Now, an interesting point that came out of one of the articles today from the ADN talking about the election, and they were kind of trying to break it down again. It's a slow news day. There's not a lot of stuff going on. Talking about what we're going to see Wednesday, today, is the count, the next count. They currently have counted just under 109,000 ballots. Um, They have received already, they say, uh, about... uh, 30, 130, almost 139,000 ballots. So they got about 30,000 ballots to count today. All the ballots have to be into the uh, elections office and postmarked by the 11th of June. They all have to be in by June 21st. And uh, the certification day is, uh, I believe, June 25th, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe it's June 24th. Right in that day. But they have to be, all the ballots have to be in, regardless of when the postmark is. They have to hit the post office by June the 21st. So we've got thousands and thousands and maybe tens of, they said they're estimating somewhere between 140 and 160,000 ballots uh, to be uh, received. We're already almost at 140, so I think it's probably going to get closer to the 160,000 mark. Uh, But the interesting part in this article, which I had to chuckle about because... (laughs) Um, is a comment from uh, Johnny Hectorn, who is a political consultant uh, working for Mary Peltola's campaign, and he was talking about the fundraising and uh, and uh, you know on the Republican side, and that the fact that Mary was able to garner a bunch of votes without nearly the same war chest as the Republicans and everything else. Uh, he did make two other points. One of them was that turnouts in primary elections tend to skew lower and more conservative compared to general elections. And then the the final thing was just like, I thought it was funny. Some of the people who voted for lower-performing Republicans, like Sweeney and former state senator John Coghill, might be open to flipping to a Democratic candidate. And I just, that just made me chuckle. That, you know, you're going to link, you know, Tara Sweeney, um, uh, who is a Republican, more of a middle-of-the-road Republican, and John Coghill, who's supposed to be this stalwart of conservatism and everything else, but that, that some of his candidate, his voters might be open to flipping to a Democratic candidate, like Mary Peltola or maybe Al Gross. I don't know. But I just I had to chuckle when I read that. I just, I just, oh, so interesting. We, I mean, maybe we live in interesting times. Oh, boy. Baby, we are so there. So there. All right. Um, let's uh, let's continue on. We've got Nellie Trump coming up next. She is known as the Eskimo Libertarian, and she is going to be joining us in just a moment. The Michael Luke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't go anywhere. Come back. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Regularly heard on American radio. radio. 
Okay, we're in the break. Uh, we're waiting uh, for, hey, look, the phone's ringing. You know what that means? I think we have our guest on the line. Let me let me check this thing out and see if this thing actually works. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I am doing excellent. I don't normally wake up this early, but I'm here with my coffee, ready to go. Well, you know what? I appreciate your sacrifice, your sacrifice of beauty sleep. You don't need it, but that's fine. It's It's great. Uh, I'm humbled and awed to have you on the program. I appreciate you coming on board uh, this morning. We are in the commercial break right now, and uh, we're going to be coming back to you here in just a hot second. Can you hang out in my virtual green room and drink my virtual coffee and eat my virtual donuts? I'd love to. Okay, don't eat the sprinkles, okay? Those are my favorite. I, you can have anything else on the plate. It's oh, that's all fair. <laughs> it's, all, that's it's, fair. it's all fair. All right, so we're going to dive into this in just a second. So hold on a second. Uh uh, and we'll be right back to you. That is uh, Nalik Trop, the uh, Eskimo Libertarian, who's going to be joining us in just a hot second. I can't wait. Uh, again, Harold has already thrown out the whole Eskimo derogatory, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let her handle that one when we come in. In fact, we'll probably start off the program because I've seen it several times uh, in uh, some of her posts and people getting all butthurt about it and everything. And uh, she's got a pretty good answer to it, um, and so we'll continue on uh, about that. Um, let's see. Let me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to scroll backwards here in the in the chat room to see what are you guys talking about this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, my dad is in the chat room. Dad, six o'clock club. I'm impressed. Um, it's coffee time. Yep. Um, I actually got up because my bladder is full, said Brian, but you and coffee are a bonus. Well, I'm just humbled that I can be that bonus for you, sir. Um, But yes, it always takes second seat to the bladder issues. I know because I'm getting older. Um, All right. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Um, Palin took the time to go to Swetna. That's actually kind of cool. It's good. That's good. I mean, I think candidates should go out and see pretty much everybody they can, no matter what their party or affiliation. I mean, I think that's a good deal. Uh, Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yes to Donna, yes to Donna. We need Donna Ardwin hired back, says Susie. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that kind of feel that way. Donna has taken a uh, very interested view in Alaska uh, and uh, expended a lot of her energy up here and continues to pay attention to what's going on. Uh, Donna, for those of you who don't know, is a frequent visitor to the chat room, and I love to see that. Um, and uh, I really appreciate her in uh, in her continuing to keep an eye out for those of us up here in the last frontier. Uh, the Kaffir is about as useful as a bundle of fire starter in dead of winter. No one in our state even bothers with the finding. I mean, I think that's the point. Um, I think the Kaffir shows a lot of good stuff, but continues to be ignored. So there you go. Um, I agree. Donna, come on down. Um, all right. Uh, the latest armed scholar, or uh, yeah, about, about regarding Texas to make its own suppressor. Oh, that's for Firearms Friday. Thank you, Jeannie. We will take that under advisement, and we will hopefully have a chance to talk about that on Friday. But as I pointed out, it's going to be busy on Friday. Robbie So from Reason Magazine, uh, Top Shot champion Chris Chang, and Willie. It's going to be a busy, busy show. Um, we need to get Siobhan Meggett on the show, says Susie. And then Kevin... Uh, repeats that. Yeah, we'll 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 we're working on that. We're working on all those things. We're working on all those things. Um, dang, just seeing the forecast, still not much of a chance of rain. You know, we could use a couple good more days of rain. I'll just say that right now. Um, 
why do I feel like we've instated Cala California election system? Oh, because we did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the raves are fine. Um, uh, we said, well, I never go anywhere just between Twitch. I never go anywhere. I just switch between YouTube and Facebook sometimes, I guess, apparently. Uh, all right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Joshua is in the chat. Hello, my friend. My friend Josh is in the chat room. Haven't seen him in a while. Um, good morning. Good morning. Donna is the best, and she will come to Alaska to help train legislators and candidates. Been through one of her seminars. Yeah, she does some cool seminars for newly elected officials and for candidates uh, that educates them on a lot of the good things. She was not popular in the legislature with the people who are the powers that be because uh, it's what happens when you shine the light on a little cockroachery going on. Going on. All right. So, all right. Well, uh, Eskimo Libertarian waiting in the wings. We are seven seconds out. Why haven't you liked and shared this video yet? I don't know. Do it now. Here we go. All right. Welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. It's what we do every day across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Well, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I have been following this uh, young lady from uh, afar for quite a while, enjoying her comments and commentary and content. Uh, Nalik Trump is a political activist from the frozen taiga. And she's been speaking out on a range of issues from everything from trawl fishing to the residential schools, Indian adoption programs, and more. Uh, She is known to most people as Eskimo Libertarian, where you can find her on Facebook at facebook.com slash Eskimo.Libertarian. She's currently the producer for Muddy Waters Media and a social media consultant for various libertarian causes around the country. Plus, she has her own podcast and everything else. And if you're not following her on Facebook... You should be joining us right now on the telephone, the Eskimo Libertarian. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am doing well. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me on here. Well, I love it. I mean, you have got such a fresh and cool perspective on so many things, and uh, I love your take on it, and I just chuckle every time I see the latest meme pop up from somewhere uh, that you've been working on, because you do a lot of that, and uh, and I just enjoy that. I, I enjoy it a lot, and I think it does a lot to bring... Um, I, I guess the younger, uh, I mean, I'm 52, so I'm not that old, but I guess the younger generation of, uh, of, uh, liberty minded folks to the table, it engages them there. And plus you bring that uniquely Alaskan perspective, which I personally appreciate for sure. So, uh, anyway, thanks for coming. I'm trying not to fanboy too hard here on this this morning because I really enjoy this. <laughs> That's all right. All right. <laughs> Well, I, I guess first and foremost, since it's already come up in the chat room a couple times, let me just let me just talk a little bit about your moniker because, uh, um, you know, Eskimo Libertarian, immediately people start rending their clothing and pulling their hair out about how could you be so uh, inappropriate that you would use this offensive word and everything else. Uh, I mean, you are an Alaska native who has taken that name onto yourself, and I know you've you've addressed this at the top of your Facebook page and everything, but... First of all, before we jump into who you are and everything else, let's talk about the name. It's the elephant in the room. So um, how offensive is it, is my question. 
Yeah, no worries. And this is something that um, is kind of like a newer concept to me, I guess. Uh, I had never heard that, you know, the word Eskimo is offensive until I went down to the lower 48 for college. And someone told me one time, and I was just absolutely blown away. And there has been this gatekeeping from people that aren't part of the community. And uh, I just found it so odd because I myself grew up with the idea that you should be proud of your heritage, be proud to be Eskimo, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And this is coming from my family, my elders, my community. And most of my family is kind of close to the Bethel region. Uh, I have a lot of family in the village of Eek. And so this is what I've grown up with. And then, um, so I kind of looked into it a little bit more because people are saying, oh, it means raw meat eater. Oh, it's a, you know, a colonizer term. It's, you know, insert, you know, <laughs> explanation here. Right, and right. so I, I looked it up and um, it actually is a word from an Algonquin t- tribe and it means someone who laces up their snowshoes. And I'm like, well, that's not offensive. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, and it comes from another indigenous tribe. And so I even asked my mom about this recently and, and I asked her, I'm like, am I being offensive? Did I get this wrong? She's like, no, you know, (laughs) what do these people know or what do they think and why does their opinion matter? You should listen to your family. And so I've stuck with it. Right. Well, and again, interesting that many, many different tribes refer even to themselves as Eskimos. And so I just, uh, I find it again, I think your, your, your comment is spot on. This is gatekeeping by people who want to feel virtuous about protecting you because apparently you can't protect yourself from that kind of stuff. So uh, they will do it for you. They will, they will strap on their swords and shields of outrage and do it for you. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, All right. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. You uh, born and raised in Alaska. You've been part of, uh, uh, you know, the state, your family, obviously, uh, you know, Alaska natives been here for, you know, uh, since time immemorial. Uh, what led you, uh, you know, what led you down this path of, uh, you know, liberty-minded thought? And, uh, you know, wh- give us a little bit of background of where you came from. Absolutely. Uh, this mainly started out when uh, COVID first happened, and they started shutting down everything, shutting down businesses and whatnot. And I remember thinking to myself, they're allowed to do this? <laughs> the government has the power? to do is and it made me realize I don't pay attention enough. And so uh I remember the story of Kreiner's Diner and everything else going on and thinking to myself like, okay, I need to be taking a much more active role to preventing stuff like this from happening again. Because I can't just say, oh, I did nothing. Right. And uh so I did what any millennial would do and I started a meme page. And uh, I started talking about (laughs) political issues. (laughs) Yes, I took the millennial approach. Right. And uh, so I mainly uh, started this page probably around August before the 2020 election. And uh, a lot of it was talking about Joe Jorgensen, who was the presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. Right. As well as talking about libertarian values. And then after the election... I just kept going with it, and I started becoming more and more active. And I was already like a volunteerist at heart. Um, I was volunteering probably around 20 hours a week, and uh, I wanted other people to have more of that volunteerist attitude and libertarian mindset and 
getting the government out of our lives and not letting them have power over us, uh, especially after what had happened with COVID. So right. that's kind of how that started. And it's just snowballed from there. Right. What led you down the path of kind of the libertarian uh, mindset? I mean, uh, again, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but generally speaking, um, you know, Alaska natives have a tendency more to vote more Democratic. There are Republicans and, and libertarians in there, but for the most part, that seems to be the majority movement of of that demographic. Um, so what led you down the path of libertarianism um, and, uh, and, and towards the, the more liberty mindset. Where, where, where's the genesis of that? Yeah, I found out I was more of a libertarian mindset when I tried to start my own business. And I, I say this quite often that nothing makes you a libertarian faster than starting your own business. <laughs> the red tape, the fees, everything involved. It's crazy. And so um, what I want to start is a meadery, which is, um, it's basically wine made with honey. Right. So under legal terms, it would be a winery. Uh, And that's kind of what started me down that libertarian mindset of, you know, I just want to be an entrepreneur and make money and be able to support myself and have my own business. What is all this red tape and fees going on? So that's what started it. And then... As I looked more into, like, the residential schools, Indian adoption program, uh, even eugenics programs that the government has implemented on Alaska Natives and Native Americans, it that's what made me much more libertarian in terms of, I want these people not to have power over our lives. Right. Uh, I mean, that's the that's the biggest thing on libertarianism, right? We just want to be left alone and, uh, and you know, leave us in our corner over here and stop interfering in our lives. and. Government's nature is is that it basically wants to enter every aspect of your life for your own good, of course. Um, and really, for minority groups, it seems like it's even worse because they feel like they're some kind of caregiver because you just couldn't possibly take care of yourself, so they have to take care of you on top of it. It's one of the more condescending aspects of government. Uh, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And when I talk about these issues, I even use quotes from politicians that are of that mindset, you know, that these people don't know any better because it's all throughout history. There's quite a few to choose from. And um, I do use the term systemic racism. And a lot of times people are like, you gross. But when I explain about it more and how the system has targeted minorities and how they, uh, use it almost like practice before they implement it on everyone else. Right. Then people start to listen a little bit more. Right. I mean, it's a different take on the, on the term systemic racism. I mean, uh, I mean, I believe in society that that's uh, not the threat that it is, but in government it sure is because again, treating all of the minorities like they're just children who need to be taken care of and everything else is insulting on so many levels because many of these cultures will sell were self-sustaining and self-governing for so many uh you know thousands of years that you did anyway it's it's a whole irritating thing um let's Absolutely. let's uh let's talk a little bit uh, first here about alaska um now obviously uh born and bred home home raised the whole thing this is your take and this is a this is a little bit of a different take uh, uh from what some people have said what do you think right now of the liberty movement in Alaska, and what are your hot-button issues here in the state? Well, I have started to take a much more active role in the liberty movement uh, and encouraging more people to join. Uh, 
I feel like we have a lot of potential, especially with the hot issues going on. Um, we're freshly coming out of COVID and whatnot. But then also uh, I have brought to light issues like trawl fishing, which is something that politicians do not talk enough about. Um, it's something that affects many communities of Alaska, and we're going to see it affect a whole lot more if we don't do something. And so talking about trawl fishing, uh, oh, oh, what else? You're talking about tra- um, you're then, talking about trawling, right? Trawling, trawlers? That's what you- yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Um, big, massive nets that scrape along the ocean floor and uh, in federal waters. Uh, I feel like our federal candidates should be talking about this uh, much more. Uh, and so that's something that I have uh, addressed with our federal candidates from the Libertarian Party, and they did start talking about it more. And people were think, you know, telling them, "Thank goodness, thank you for talking about this." Talking to fishermen, you know, uh, small commercial fishermen, um, uh, subsistence fishermen. This is an issue that we definitely need to be talking about more. Uh, and then also issues about the budget and the PFD. People are fed up with it and we need a lot less government would would solve a lot of it. Right. And that's a libertarian value. And right. so these are hot issues that we should be, you know, really capitalizing on and we are starting to and it's great. Well and I think it's interesting, especially and I've I found this ironic uh in many ways over the last uh, six or seven years as we've watched the PFD be cut and 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 uh, you know and managed and and you know folded, spindled, and mutilated by the legislature. That the people who would be most affected by these cuts, um, the majority of them, are in the bush and rural communities because they have a, a you know significantly lower um, 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 living wage and and cash flow uh, in these areas. And yet, a lot of times, it seems like it's their elected representatives are some of the key factors in making sure that that full PFD doesn't get out to them. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm really surprised that more and more of the villages aren't striking back and, and the rural communities aren't striking back and saying, hey, that's important to us. I mean, that's 10, 20, 30, 35 percent of our income that you're talking about cutting out. And I'm really surprised that there aren't more people that say we actually need less of that than more. I think uh, people are talking about it, but it's just it's such a minority of the voice and uh so we don't get to hear that outcry as much. I mean, there aren't as many people off of the road system. Uh, I know I have relatives and people that are out in the villages, maybe don't have quite the presence on social media or whatnot. And they are, they are outraged. They are upset. I would love to see more of that in uh, terms of reaction at the polls and things like that, instead of having the same people come back again and again and again to the legislature, maybe that will come about um, as we go forward. We're talking with Nalik Trupp, who is known as the Eskimo Libertarian. Uh, We're getting her take on things in the state. We're going to talk a little bit about some national issues as well and about government intervention in some of these smaller communities. And I'm going to get her take on that uh, in just a second. Don't go anywhere. We've got to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will continue with the Eskimo Libertarian. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while, so... Stick with me. We'll be back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. 
Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now uh, with uh, Nelly Trupp, who is the uh, Eskimo Libertarian. Uh, we've been talking with her about things going on inside the state and everything else. Um, the Libertarian movement inside the state has always been interesting to me. Um, I'm not a member of the Libertarian Party. I'm a small L Libertarian, I guess you would say. Uh, I, I hold the that. Uh, yeah. I hold the values. I do things. I've worked with the party. Um, I've done. You know, I've spoken to the party and done speeches and things like that with them. Um, there's a there's a bunch of good folks out there for sure. Uh, but I think more and more we're seeing this libertarian mindset. And what really lightens my heart, I guess, and 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 excites me is to see more and more people uh, of the younger generation. You know, the millennials. Uh, I guess you would uh, phrase it. Uh, kind of embracing these ideals and making them, you know, their own. Uh, you, I think you're a prime example of that. What do you think overall about the, uh, you know, libertarian ideals becoming um, more popular uh, across the country? I, well, uh, this last election, um, well, last year during election season, we had over 200 new libertarians elected more than we've ever had previously. I know in uh, Pennsylvania, there was quite the, um, uh, quite the amount of people elected over there. Uh, I think it's growing, and looking at how many more people are registering Libertarian each election, it's definitely growing. Um, it's starting to have some growing pains in some areas, I've noticed, but uh, people are just tired of the duopoly and the status quo and nothing's getting better no matter who's voted into office you right. know red and blue right so, yeah it's the war the it's, impression I'm getting. it's the war of the animals right donkeys or elephants it doesn't really matter at this point it's all a zoo um and uh, you know <laughs> it was the whole left wing right wing they're all part of the same bird kind of analogy that we hear uh, all the time i mean one side says we'll fix it because they're evil the other side says we'll fix it because they're evil and and the whole problem is is by the time it's all said and done it's still evil uh when it's all uh, when the when the dust is settled and everything else uh and Absolutely. it is frust- it's frustrating to watch that it's frustrating as somebody who has never been um a part of a political party i've never joined any party um, it's always frustrated me to watch this kind of stuff go on and realize that uh, even those candidates that I support in the Republican Party, um, you know, that it, a lot of times they end up being in the long run part of the problem. And uh, that's frustrating to me in the fact that it seems like independent, true independence, not these independents or non-declared, you know, running under a, under the guise of of, of non-bias actually belonging to a party. It's just been so frustrating for me to watch. Absolutely. Um, I talk about also um, uh, party loyalty and how it makes you blind to your own party making the mistakes or thinking like, it's okay, it's my guy that's making this mistake. Right. And it's, it's very damaging and people aren't holding their politicians accountable you know, because of it. Right. So I've that's often, something I would like to break. Yeah, no, I've often said that, you know, I'm a libertarian, so everybody hates me equally, um, you know, because <laughs> because I have, I mean, I've taken politicians to task who are supposedly, 
you know, I was either on their team or supported them or whatever. But when they screw up and I call them out, then people start to hate on you like, oh, how could you do that? That's our candidate. You're going to give the other person the other side, you know, and that goes back to the whole idea of, oh, you're throwing away your vote if you vote for another candidate. And I just I I find that whole idea. First of all, I find it insulting that I can't make my own decisions. Second of all, I just I just find it ridiculous. Uh, this last election, uh, the special election. I voted for the libertarian candidate. Now, did he get in? No. But did I throw my vote away? No. I took my stand. I just I find it insulting that people would say, if you do that, then you're supporting the other guy. I just I don't understand that idea. Absolutely. And I've even had Libertarian Party candidates reach out to me for an endorsement, and I didn't like their platform, and I would tell them no, and they say, you know, you're supposed to be promoting libertarianism. I'm like, well, I'm a lowercase l, and... I didn't think your policies were actually libertarian, and so I've actually received hate for that. <laughs> and uh, this <laughs> this last candidate, yeah, I agreed with him. I volunteered with him, asked him questions, heard what he had to say, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I like this guy. Yeah. And so, uh, again, like making sure that I myself don't have this party loyalty bias. Yeah, I mean, I've never had that happen, <coughs> Bill Weld. I mean, you know, I've <laughs> never... I've never had that happen at all. Um, all right. Um, we're down to less than 60 seconds. Brian says, I'm interested in what the off-the-road system people think about a lot of issues that aren't filtered by gatekeepers. We can get into that as well. I want to talk a little bit about that because I've received some hate over the years for some of my positions on the way that folks in the rural communities are being treated um, and and the way that they've actually been brought, I think, in some ways to ruin over this. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll talk about some national stuff. Um, she asked what we were going to talk about, and I said, this is just stream of consciousness, so I hope I'm not jarring you too bad, but just whatever comes to mind as we go through. So hold the line, okay, Nalik? All right, sounds good. All right, hold the line. We're going to be right back. Folks, like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel yet, do it. Obey. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now with Nolik Trump, who is the uh, Eskimo libertarian, commentator, activist, volunteer, superwoman of liberty. That's that I I'm going to officially coin that phrase. Um, she's out there fighting the good fight uh, and part of a whole new batch of people who are liberty minded in this state, and I love it. Um, uh, all right, Nalik, I'm about to dive into a position that I think has been unpopular, and I'll get your take on it, and uh, feel free to hate on me if you'd like, but here's my here's my, my feeling as I watch what's happened in the state of Alaska over the last 52 years of my life. Um, one of the things that I've always thought has been kind of horrific is the way that, and we talked about it just a little bit uh, earlier, you know, kind of this whole uh, condescending attitude of, oh, we need to take care of you, and... Uh, we've seen that a lot in the villages, in the bush, in the rural communities where the federal government or the state or both have come in and said, oh, we'll do this, we'll we'll do that, we'll take care of you. And we have created a less dependent society, excuse me, a more dependent society, less self-reliant society in a lot of these communities to the detriment, I think, of those communities. I mean, we've 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 made them. 
uh, surrogates independence of the state. We They have basically spoken into existence what they were saying, which was, you can't take care of yourself, so we have to. Um, and I think that that is a shame. I mean, government should be there to support, but not to basically sublet or, uh, you know, completely replace a dependency lifestyle that many of uh, folks in these cultures have had for generations uh, before. What, what do you say? So I think we see a lot of this, um, especially in the lower 48 on reservations. And uh, there are uh, people from my generation that are waking up to this and realizing what has become of, you know, their society. I think something that uh, goes along with uh, government intervention is a lot of generational trauma that is out in the villages uh, and how it affects the people. Um, Again, I am... But these views are my own, and I'm not speaking for the community. Um, I'd like to hear more from my relatives out there, but this is my observation. And so you see things like substance abuse and whatnot um, because of the generational trauma, and it creates more of a reliant society. And so uh, I I believe there's a lot of uh, politicians that have gone in with promises to fix things, make things easier, make things better and this attitude that they deserve reparations. And, of course, they do deserve you know, some sort of reparation, but it's not going to come from the government. Right. Well, and I think the, so, other, the other thing is, is that it's, again, completely skewed their ability to be self-reliant in a lot of ways by promising the, you know, the big, let me say, big city amenities of you know, lights and power and running water and things like this, which are very expensive on a micro scale. Uh, Macro, they're much easier to accomplish. But by saying that these are all the things you're going to be, you become dependent on it. And then when systems fail or things don't work out right, you've lost that ability to adapt in a lot of ways. And that dependency creates further problems. Absolutely. And another big issue is being able to fish. Um, A lot of communities are not allowed to subsistence fish like they should or at the times that they need to. I know my mom was out in the villages recently and she was talking about how like now would be the best time to be fishing at least the time when she was there because the wind is coming through hard enough to keep the flies off of the fish and the fish are there. However, they have these restrictions and whatnot that are put in place to help with the salmon population, but really they are restricting the minority of the fishing, you know, subsistence fishing, uh, whereas you have, you know, uh, trawl fishing and whatnot uh, that are, being allowed to run out there and get all the fish. And so the minority of the people are being squashed in this uh, part. And then also, I believe it was last year, Governor Dunleavy was giving out fish as a dividend and how a lot of people were insulted by this, that it had to come to this point. So why can't we fish our fish? There's fish right. out there. Why can't we get our own fish? We don't need the government to give us fish. We could go out and fish it for ourselves. I've always found that ironic that it seems like they're prioritizing the commercial fish take over the uh, over the uh, subsistence fishing uh, in these areas. Oh, we don't have the escapement goals and everything. Well, hey, we got to eat, and we live here, and these are our fish uh, communally owned by the uh, residents. So I think that we should get first take at all those things to begin with. I mean, it just seems to make sense to me. But, uh, hey, what do I know? I'm just some white, <laughs> white guy from the interior. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about some of the national issues uh, quickly. Uh, I've been really hammering on this hard uh, over the last uh, 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 bit of time here. We focus mostly on Alaska issues, but when I do get sideways on something, 
it's generally about two things. It's either about the Second Amendment, because I'm a huge Second Amendment guy, uh, or it's about the budget. And the budget is really looming forefront in my mind because we're watching more and more and more that uh, the government and our leaders, quote unquote, seem to care nothing about the actual economics of the situation or the arithmetic of the situation. You can't just continue to print money out of thin air and expect that there will be no consequences to that. I mean, you could ignore and override the actual instance, but you can't, as I said yesterday, ignore and override the consequences or the reaction and the results of those uh, uh, of either the lack of action or just the continuing on. We're reaching a point now where we're going to see some real problems economically over the next 10 years because of what we've done with budgets and everything else. What's your take on the national budget situation? Uh, so I was actually uh, tweeting about this and making TikToks recently, and I was saying we should end the Federal Reserve. And a lot of folks are like shocked by this idea. And uh, when you get into the nitty-gritty of it, it's these central banks that get to print money out of thin air and help out their friends. And it would solve a lot of problems if we didn't have a Federal Reserve. <laughs> and yeah. so... It's definitely an idea I would like to make much more mainstream, uh, taking a look at the Federal Reserve and how they're printing all this money, like you said, and it's creating all these issues. And not only that, they're printing this money and giving it to their friends, to the lobbyists. And also, the the Federal Reserve is not federal or a reserve. <laughs> <laughs> it's a private entity, right, outside of the government, right? Right. It's these central banks that are involved and uh, bureaucrats that get to decide how much money is out there. And people don't realize how many issues would be solved if we just got rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I'd like to advocate for people should look up what happened in 1971. Yeah. So. No, exactly. Uh, between coming off the gold standard and uh, everything that went on, America's uh, dollar being the world reserve currency, which is, I think, is something that's not going to last forever. If that ever comes off, oof, Katie, bar the door. We're going to have a real problem uh, coming down the pike, that's for sure. Um, uh, we, we're rapidly running out of time here. I mean, I can't believe, you know, 40, 45 minutes can go by so fast, but, uh, I oh, want to, wow. I want to talk about my, uh, one of my hot button issues, which of course is, uh, the right to self-defense, the second amendment, firearms, guns. Um, what's your take on this and what has been the reaction of others from across the country, uh, when they see somebody like you who has, uh, you know, who comes out in support of the right to keep and bear arms and defend oneself? Uh, absolutely. And I'm definitely a Second Amendment advocate and like a real one, not one who's you know endorsed by the NRA, who negotiates our rights away. Uh-huh. Um, I, I definitely uh, I talk a lot about it and people will be like, yes, but I don't want these people to have guns or I don't want these. People. I'm like, you shouldn't be determining who has guns and whatnot. And I think with our latest events going on, it should be a sign that we do need the Second Amendment. People say that we should be able to rely on the police, or we live in you know live in a society where we rely on people that we trust to have guns. And um, I think something that people don't look at enough is that other countries do have these instances of mass shootings, and sure. when they do happen, they are far more severe than what happens here. See, here we have the tools and ability to shut down a mass shooter, which is a good guy with a gun. Right. But in other countries where they don't have that, these mass shootings happen, and far more people pass away, and it's quite tragic. And people are saying, this doesn't happen in other countries. It does. Right. Um, 
I was actually about to write up a piece. I wish I had the notes on me, but there is actually a study done showing that um, in terms of mass shootings and like each country's uh, definition of mass shootings, the U.S. ranks 11th in terms of like um, developed countries that have mass shootings. And this is uh, per capita, like people that pass away per capita with these mass shootings or instances. So um, I'd like to look into this more and I plan on making a big post and talking about the um, data and whatnot on why we should have uh, Second Amendment rights. I would uh, love to have you back sometime on a Firearms Friday to discuss this further, but we are out of time for the moment. Nelly Trupp, uh, Eskimo Libertarian, thank you so much for coming on board this morning. I appreciate you uh, being part of it. Absolutely. Koyana, thank you for having me on here. Well, I appreciate it. Hold the line for just a second for us. Uh, we'll talk with you off the air for just a second. The Michael Duke Show continues. We got more coming up in Hour 2, including Timothy Givens. We will uh, have that and more. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Live well. Come on down. All right. Um, No, I find it ironic that uh, they keep pointing to all these countries like, well, we should be like this country. We should be like that country. You know, we should be like Australia where, you know, the police have been busting bikey gangs, biker gangs who have taken over whole machine shops and are creating and building machine guns in these things for, you know, sale to other biker gangs or, you know, like England where sure gun crime is down, but knife crime is like, you know, where people are, are killed and and stabbed and, you know, violence is like three or four times what it is here in the U S um, over that same kind of thing. I mean, you know, the bad guys are always going to find a way. And uh, I just, I find it ironic that they keep trying to penalize and punish honest law-abiding citizens for the action of a fraction of a fraction of a percentile uh, and then point to other places that say, oh, this is all good stuff. Absolutely. And also, before all this happened, people were pointing to Australia and I told people, wait until the people, like, they're peaceful now, but wait until they don't comply. And we saw with the COVID restrictions and having COVID camps, uh, people started to not comply and we saw the violence that broke out with that. So yeah. as long as you're complying with your government and you know staying happy, then it's great. But as soon as you don't like something, that's when shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah, exactly. That is when it's going to be bad juju all the way around. Um, I love uh, I love talking with you, and I really appreciate you coming on uh, on board and uh, and being part of it. And I'd love to have you on semi regularly if you're willing to do it. It's um, it's a it's a fun conversation. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thanks so much. Now, that would mean that you'd have to get up early in the morning, and I'm sorry for that. I'll apologize for that, <laughs> you know, right out of the gate. That's okay. My husband will buy me more coffee. We can do this. See, there you go. That'll get it done. All right. Uh, Nalik uh, Trupp, uh, the Eskimo Libertarian. I've posted links up in the chat room. I'll post it again for her Facebook page. She also is on TikTok, and I think you've got a YouTube channel too, right? Uh, yes, but I haven't updated it lately. Um, but uh, I've been using more of You Are the Power and Spike Cohen stuff, so producing stuff there. So. Okay, good. Yes, she did say the poo hits the fan, but we were off the radio, so it doesn't matter. Jeez, you people are so <laughs> oh picky. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alik. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of it this morning. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> you got it.
Everybody's so offended. She said shit. I don't know what to do. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. It's uh, good. Uh, all right. <laughs> the yogurt hit the oscillating rotor. That's what That's what happened. <laughs> oh, man, you guys killed me. Uh, all right. Uh, we are in the break right now, and I believe... Uh, we now have our next guest on the line. The phone rang again, and here we go. Uh, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine, my friend, and you? I'm doing fantastic. I have already had two cups of coffee, so. <laughs> I need one more this morning, I'll tell you. All right, well, hold the line. Timothy Givens is our uh, guest here, and uh, we're going to be talking with him here in just a second. So hang out and, uh, and, uh, and eat my donuts virtual donuts. God, I wish I had real donuts now. That's just, that's the worst part. I wish I had real donuts in the chat room. Um, all right, uh, folks, if you have not checked out the Patreon page, why haven't you? If you have not, if you, if you have not, come on down, check it out, become a part of the common sense core, help support the show. I mean, for as little as, I think, three bucks a month, I think, is the lowest tier, you can help out the show. And by doing so, you become a member of the Common Sense Corps. Herder. Dang it. I am a horrible radio show host. I just realized that I had not offered uh, Herder Winkleman in the chat room, who's one of our newest patrons. I had not offered him a uh, the link to the, uh, to the Common Sense Corps Facebook page. So let me invite invite uh let me just let me invite with link invite with link um uh, um i think that's it is that right no we'll, we'll let me do this i'll send you an email herder i feel bad now i keep meaning to do that and my i'm on one man show so i screwed up and you haven't got access yet but you're gonna have access in just a hot minute herder do me a favor. Send me an email or a private message here on Facebook with your email address, and I will invite you to uh, to the uh, private Facebook page for Common Sense Core members. Um, uh, how do I get an email? If you are a member of the uh, Common Sense Core and for some reason you haven't been invited to the list, it's because I'm a horrible show host. Just send me an email, me at michaeldukeshow.com. It's right here. Me at MichaelDukeShow.com. Send me an email with your email. Well, I mean, obviously, I'll have your email then. And I will send you the invite link. So, Paul, if you you do it, put it in there. And if you want to find out where we'll put it on here, how do you find it? Oh, just go to Patreon.com slash MichaelDukeShow. Patreon.com slash MichaelDukeShow. Look at that. Boom. There is your link. All right. You can go join the Common Sense Core and three bucks, ten bucks, seventy bucks, fifty bucks, a hundred bucks, five hundred bucks. I don't know, whatever it is, you can help support the show, and uh, we appreciate you uh, being part of that. Okay, Timothy Givens is in the wings. Uh, if you haven't liked and shared this show page yet, why not? We want to get more folks involved in the conversation. And uh, if you have not gone out and subscribed to my YouTube channel, then why not that either? Because I need a thousand subscribers on YouTube to go to the next level 
the next level on YouTube. All right. So uh, if we are part of members of the Common Sense Court, does it come with some perks like boarding the plane before small children? Yes, you can do that. No, I'm just lying. It's That's a lie. Total lie. That's total lie. All right. Here we go. Jumping back in the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. All around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. And as the fancy voice guy just said, around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find links to not only every podcast we've ever uploaded. There's a tab at the top. This is podcasts. You'll also find links to my social media uh, and a list of radio stations and translators that you can listen to across the uh, the state. So no matter where you are, you want to know which station to listen to, just go to the website and you'll find the frequency that you can listen to on a translator or a radio station or whatever. It's good. To, or you can just, again, pull it down on your phone. If you use the TuneIn Radio app, TuneIn, one word, TuneIn Radio app, uh, you can find me on there as well and it'll stream it right to your phone, right to your phone. Um, all right, so hour two of the big radio program today. It is Wednesday. We're about to get into it with our guest. I will announce that on Friday, Firearms Friday, Robbie So from Reason Magazine is going to be joining us in hour one. Chris Chang, Top Shot champion from season four of Top Shot, will be in hour two, along with Willie Waffle. Tomorrow, we're hoping, again, fingers crossed, that it's going to work out. Mike Shower will be joining us for the shower hour. And then another guest as well, and it could be Sarah Palin. I'm still waiting on trying to figure that out or it could be somebody else and we're talking about having donna ardwin on to talk about the kaffir uh talking about having some other candidates for governor or for uh, uh or for congress on so we're gonna we're gonna work through this uh, tomorrow is gonna be full as well it's gonna be full just like today we just finished up with the eskimo libertarian nelly trupp uh who uh i just it was a fantastic conversation i really enjoyed that uh, and we're going to have her back on the program. Like I said, maybe we'll get her to be a semi-regular guest on the show. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, so we're going to uh, continue on with that. If you missed it, you can go back and listen on the podcast or on the pre- the replay on Facebook or YouTube. You can watch it either one of those locations. By the way, YouTube, you can go to my YouTube channel and subscribe there. And you'll get notifications every time we go live. And you can interact and you can talk with us and do all that kind of stuff. So feel free to do that. I need to get a 1,000 subscribers up there and We've been working through it, but, you know, I got like four times that number of subscribers on Facebook, but I just can't get them to switch platforms. To, to, I don't know why. It is it is a thing. 
Uh, all right, this hour's guest. Here we go. Uh, Timothy Givens is a candidate for uh, state legislature for the state house in District 32 up in the interior. Um, and uh, he is a listener to the program. Uh, and uh, we are encouraged to see more people taking part in uh, this participatory sport we call government. Uh, he joins us this morning to talk about his candidacy for this, and we welcome him to the program right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm I'm doing great. Uh, like I said earlier, I have had both two cups of coffee, and I've already ate a couple of recruiters in the in the break room. Oh man, in the virtual the virtual green room, he ate my virtual donuts. I took all the calories out for you, Timothy. You don't have to worry. There's no guilt. Okay, no guilt at all. Um, but the two cups of coffee will cause you to bounce off the walls a little bit here. So try and remain calm. Try and remain calm. Um, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, you, who you are, where you are, where you came from, and then we'll get into some of the details of uh, you know what your positions are and everything else. So let's start off first, uh, first with who's Timothy Givens? Why you know where where did you come from? Give us some background here. Well, sir, I was uh, born in uh, Oklahoma at a little Air Force base. Uh, my, my mom was visiting there with my dad, who was in the Navy, um, and then we went to. Uh, all over the world. I haven't had a specific state. Uh, then I joined the army and uh, spent 20 years in the in the army and retired here in Alaska as my place of choice uh, because I figured Alaska was the freest state I could find and was also uh, the last frontier. That's a pretty and, that's a pretty good reason. <laughs> And uh, after after I retired from the army, I started working on Fort Wainwright as a as a contractor, which I'm still doing, and I'm managing a digital training facility. Uh, I think that's pretty much who I am. I'm just a regular guy. Okay. Uh, I, I'm interested in politics and history and economics, and I and I sit back and watch, and uh, I feel like the government's not really responsive. Yeah. To, uh, here in the state to what the people want. Timothy, my first question, I mean, after who you are and everything, but my first question is always, it's one of my favorites, especially to new candidates, um, is, you know, exactly when did you lose your mind? I mean, when did you decide that this was the road that you needed to take? I mean, was it a was it a slow and steady burn, that just kind of cumulative, or was there a straw that broke the camel's back and you said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore and I'm throwing my name in the ring what was that aha moment that, uh, you know, when you actually snapped mentally and decided this was a good idea? Well, it's been a slow burn. You know, I was born in 66, so uh, I've been watching our everything go, get worse and worse uh, as far as our government and, and, and uh, country, the route it's taking. And then uh, after sending letters to my representatives here in Alaska and having them tell me basically, well, I know better than you, and uh, uh, we'll we'll vote the way that we think is right, uh, I decided that, uh, you know what, Uh, I I just might as well just go ahead and, and run. I might as well just go ahead and it's already a mess. Let me go in there and either try and straighten it out or make it even a worse mess at this point, right? I mean, just break, break, break things well, from the inside. I don't think I can make it any worse. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, all right. So we had your opponent on uh, uh, late last week and I know, or uh, yeah, early this week, late last, maybe it was, I can't even remember now. The days all blend together. Uh, but we had your opponent on recently talking about some of the things, and I'm interested to get your take on on uh, 
some of the issues that are facing us here in the state. So first and foremost, of course, the big elephant in the room is the permanent fund dividend. And, uh, you know, it's been batted around like a badminton whiffle for, you know, for the last six, seven years. Um, what is your take uh, on the PFD? What should the PFD be uh, and how should it be uh, preserved or protected or made sustainable? What is Timothy uh, Givens's position on the permanent fund dividend as it sits right now? Well, my my big thing is uh, a, a simple answer would be to say uh, that that I think we should follow the law. Uh, I'm actually for a full statutory PFD as it's currently written. And uh, since since we got legislators that aren't uh, following the law as it's written, uh, I think that it's important that we get it put into the the, the Alaska Constitution. Right. And not only that, I also think that uh, uh, we should go back and pay back the, the the amounts that were withheld for the past six years. Yeah, most of those amounts are still sitting in the ERA, just sitting there garnering uh, interest. And uh, they would do a lot better. Uh, uh, they'd do a lot more work if they were out in the economy in the hands of Alaskans. Um, I think we can agree on that. Um, you talk about putting it in the Constitution at the current statutory level, right? I mean, putting enshrining yeah, the current. Yeah. yeah, definitely at the current statutory level. And I also think that we should uh, uh, add penalties because we have these laws that uh, the legislators aren't following. And if they won't, don't, won't, don't want to follow the law, then we should uh, add penalties, at least civil penalties, for not following it. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you can't, you can't, um, you can't bind over one legislature to another, uh, I understand that. I understand that that I mean that would be the road to madness there. But at the same time, if there's a law on the books that you don't like, um, you don't just ignore it and leave it on the books, right? I mean, you you have the intestinal fortitude to address it, take it on, and then live with whatever the vote was when it was all said and done. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're right. Uh, and actually, uh, they they have the ability to change the law if they want to. It, it, they won't change it because they're afraid that uh, they won't be in office any longer. Right. I mean, they don't want to take it and take a stand on that because they then have to live with that vote come the next election cycle when they were the ones that uh, fundamentally changed the PFD. And and you could see that in almost every vote on this. Nobody really wants to tie themselves to it. And because historically we've seen it in the last few election cycles, anytime anybody does go out on that limb and try and take a stand against a full PFD, they get the axe. I mean, we saw Giesel, we saw Pete Kelly, we saw John Coghill, uh, you know, Jennifer Johnston, Chuck Kopp, and we've seen them all get ousted because of that position, and yet they just continue to ignore it. Yes, and and that, that that's that's something that shouldn't be done by any legislator. We're supposed to we're supposed to follow people are supposed to follow the law, uh, and uh, legislators should follow the law too. One of the big things that I think is separated out. I mean, that's kind of the first divergence from your uh, from your opponent is. Uh, he believes that there should always be enough held back to support government just in case. Uh, I mean, who should have first call on that money? Should it be the people or should it be the government having first call on the monies for the uh, well, for the permanent fund? The, the permanent fund, was, it was designed for the first people, that, for the people to have first call. And that, that's the, the way the law is written and that's the way it should be done. Uh, <laughs> pretty, I don't think we could hash airs on that any any further. Um, some other issues obviously have come up. I mean, um, you saw, uh, I know because you've been following the program, you've seen pretty exhaustive coverage of the workings of the fiscal policy working group and the things that they've talked about. 
some of the plans that they came out with, their holistic approach at the end, which included a lot of different things. It talked about the PFD. It talked about a spending cap. It talked about increasing uh, you know, some oil taxation and maybe even creating a broad-based tax. What's your take on the uh, what's your take on the fiscal policy working group's uh, ideas and model? And um, you know, what should the legislature do with that in this upcoming session? Well, uh, the, 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 a lot of good ideas were put out, but uh, as uh, we're we're going to talk about taxations and stuff like that, I I, I don't think uh, uh, income taxes and t- sales tax should ever even be considered with a, without a vote of the people, and it should it should be taken to the people before it's even talked about. Well, and and boy, you and I agree on that. I mean, is that the same? Pre- would you have the same premise with any change to the permanent fund? Should that be put before the people as well? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, we've seen this uh, this mantra coming from uh, the business as usual crowd in the uh, in the government that uh, man, we've we've cut it to the bone. We've cut it to the bone. We can't cut any further. Um, have you had a chance to address or analyze any parts of the budget and say, mm, you know, yes, that's right, or no, there could be some more cuts in there? What's your take on the overall budget of the state of Alaska? Well, I think that uh, there's a lot more that can be cut. Uh, I, I, I think there's there's cuts in education and there's cuts to different. Uh, you have to take a look at it and uh, ask. We have to look at it and ask ourselves uh, what are, what is the state required to give to the people and what are the the, the nice nice uh, what we'd like to have. Right. And start lo- looking at that and and uh, cutting. Possibly cutting subsidies and and uh, bringing down the the amounts that are not necessary. Right. So you're talking about must haves as things are mandated by the Constitution versus nice to haves things that are oh you know they're good and they're but they're not mandated and yet they're sucking up an enormous amount of money out of the state budget. Yes, sir. Okay. Timothy Givens is our guest, uh, GOP state rep uh, candidate for House District 32. We are going to uh, we're going to we're going to continue this discussion with Timothy in just a minute, and uh, we'll see uh, what else he has to say about things going on in the state. Don't forget, you can come out and join us on Facebook if you'd like to be part of the conversation there. We've got questions and comments and everything else running out there. We've got about 50, 60 people there and another, I don't know, dozen or so on Facebook Come on, or on uh, YouTube. Come on out and join us. The Michael Duke Show continues. More coming up with Timothy Givens right after these messages. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like... America used to be streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I think that uh, Jeannie hits it right on the head. You don't have to be everything to everybody. That's been the problem in the state of Alaska is that they want to be everything to everybody. And I think part of it, it's not altruism. It's more about the fact that they uh, and Timothy mentioned it earlier. They know better than you. They want to control it because they think that they know better than you how to do these things. Timothy, that has been my my contention for many, many years, that that politician's disease seems to infect everybody out there. What uh, what do you think would inoculate you from that uh, that predilection uh, in the uh, in the upcoming uh, session? 
Well, you know, one thing is, I I, I believe that uh, I I'm I'm not a, a leader. I am. I mean, I I'm, I'm strong-willed and stuff, but 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 I think that anyone that serves in office, okay, is a servant of their constituents, okay, and you have to look at what your constituents want, and and follow that. And I'm always I'll always be open to. Uh, them talking to me and and uh, expressing their opinions, and that that will always be utmost in my mind. So, so the uh, the the title or the label of elected leader is is that offensive to you at that point? Should it be elected servant instead? It, it should be elected servant, and and also the the, the thing is we we forget that uh, we're a government by for and of the people, not not uh, by for and of the government. Right, which seems to be the way that most areas of government in this country are taking uh, taking themselves in that direction right now. Uh, Kevin McCabe's in the chat room, and he says, $15 million long trail, $600,000 for diving boards. Take two years for the DOT to figure out that the Malaspina is costing $8,000 a week for the layup. There are plenty of room, uh, plenty of tons of efficiencies in the state. And I think that's the thing that people are afraid to talk about. Timothy, you've listened to the program and, you know, we've advocated for cuts for many, many years. Unfortunately, the political will just doesn't even with your opponent just doesn't seem to be there to cut. It just doesn't seem like there's any solid solutions. You talk about cutting education, which immediately lost you like half of an audience listening out there because how could you hate the children so much? But I mean, it it gets it gets deeper into. I mean, we need to talk about you know formulas and ref, and you know refurbishing and and reforming the spending portion of things and just uh, I mean, but it just seems like the political will is so lacking. You you know, sir, I I uh, I love the children. I have children myself, and when I think about loving the children, what the things I think about are uh, uh, some of the research I've done. The, the cost of public education being eighteen thousand over eighteen thousand dollars per student in K through pre K through twelve, and then I can look at a, a, the highest tuition private school being about one hundred and fifty dollars more, and the difference in ranking would be that private school is uh, rated tenth in the nation, high tenth highest in the nation, and we're forty ninth. Right. In the, in the nation. Wait, you're, public wait, you're saying the work product isn't uh, up to snuff? Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. So, so you know, the, the, the answer to that is competition. Possibly the best thing to do would be backpack funding. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's, that's more for the, for the children. That's for the children to give them a quality education and let the parents choose which, which uh, educational institution is best for their children. Yeah. I always, you know, nobody has ever actually dropped the you hate the children mantra on me because I keep waiting for somebody to do it because my immediate reaction back is, no, I love the children because I don't want to saddle them with an inordinate amount of debt and basically, you know, piss away their lifestyle and their choices now at the attempt of doing and and planning something that will, you know, fix this this one generation and ruin the future, which I think is what's going on right now. Yeah, we definitely we definitely spinning up spinning up our our children's future and not even thinking about it, and just throwing money at problems and uh, and who's going to have to pay that in the long run? It's going to be those same children we supposedly everybody loves, right? Right, right. Same kind of thing going on. Uh, Timothy Givens is our guest uh, candidate for House District Thirty Two. We're going to come back with him and talk about some of the details, uh, including uh, uh, including parts of the budget and. Um, 
the uh, uh, and the, uh, uh, the spending cap and some other things as well. So hold the line, Timothy. We'll be right back to you. Um, backpack funding is not going to work or ever passed muster in the courts. Uh, Harold, it has in some states, and it could here in Alaska. We just got to work at it. They just say what you can't do. Let's jump into it. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now with Timothy Givens, who is the uh, AGOP, not the, but AGOP candidate for District 32 uh, because of the whole ranked choice voting thing, which I guess is a good segue. Let's uh, let's jump into a talk with him about that real quick. Uh, I mean, he's participating in it, but uh, what are his thoughts? Uh, ballot measure number two, Timothy. Um, I know again you've got kind of a libertarian spirit in you, but uh, what's your what's your take on uh, ballot measure number two and what we're saddled with now? Um, and then uh, you know your predictions on whether or not it sticks. What 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 are your thoughts on that? On the on the uh, ranked choice voting, uh, I would think that uh, that's uh, to, to me. I it's it's a recipe for one party rule. Uh, I I got to watch my mother and my brothers in California uh, end up in a one-party rule state uh, with a... It's not exactly the same as Alaska's, but uh, they, they do have a, a ranked choice voting system. And you... And I, go ahead, I'm sorry. And I, and I don't think it's good. I think that uh, you, should, you should go to your polling place uh, and uh, present your ID and one, one person, one vote. Do you think that um, based on what we're seeing so far with the jungle primary and the mail-ins, now obviously the mail-in added a second layer of complexity to this, but we've seen a lot of rejected votes. Uh, There's no curing process, of course, uh, in the state of Alaska. There is in the Anchorage municipal elections, but not in the state elections. Um, And now we've got this August uh, situation where in August we're going to have both the jungle primary and the special general on the same ballot, essentially. Um, do you think this is going to lead to uh, to a lot of confusion and angst? And would you support the idea of overturning that if the people were uh, you know outraged enough or there was enough uh, outcry from something like this? Well, I think it's already causes a lot of confusion. And yes, I, I would vote. I, I would. I do agree that we should overturn it uh, because it's 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 not uh, it's not the way our system was designed. I, I've always viewed the. Uh, uh, the primaries as a way for uh, each party to choose its candidate and the general for for uh, everyone to to vote and choose the the person they want right um i think it's i think it's going to be an interesting hot mess uh quite honestly when it's all said and done um i want to go back to the uh, fiscal policy working group we were talking about that you came out pretty stridently about the taxation portion of it um, for the income tax or the sales tax or whatever revenue mechanism that they've talked about um, and uh, said that we don't need to be doing that. We need to, we need to you know, be cutting into government, which I agree with. Um, but again, going back to the lack of political will in the cutting, would any kind of taxation be an option for you to at least make the spread more equitable or are you just, is it so antithetical to you that you can't even consider the conversation? 
Well, uh, I mean, the the conversation could, could be considered, but only if it was taken to a vote of the people. Uh, right. um, I, I don't think that the that the legislators have the right to uh, uh, add an income tax or a sales tax without the people ha- having a, their say in it. Right. Well, I and I definitely, I mean, I I agree with that in general. I just think having the people have a say rather than the elected servants, as you said. Uh, being uh, the sole arbiters of that, I would I would agree with that. Um, the other part that uh, was talked about that I think is very important was the spending cap. There's got to be some kind of restriction on government. I mean, we've seen the out of control growth that we've had thus far since you know 1972 when we got 1971, 1972 when we got that first big huge payment, and uh, and since then government has just well, exploded all over the place. It's just grown and grown and grown. Um, and I think we need some kind of restriction or governor on the spending. And uh, and we just don't have one right now. Is that something that you would support? Uh, I I think we need a spending cap, but I, I really think we need to, ha- uh, uh, to have a, a zero-based budgeting plan. And it, sh- it shouldn't, uh, ex- uh, the, the budget shouldn't exceed uh, the actual revenue. Well, yeah, I mean that's a balanced budget approach. Uh, if we had done that over the last uh, six or seven years, we'd have a whole different picture. I mean, we spent what sixteen, seventeen billion dollars out of our various savings accounts over that time. We'd be in a whole different kettle of fish if that was the case right now. Yes, and uh, I and I also think that if you go to a zero bus zero based budgeting for the state, that anyone receiving money uh, from the state that are uh, for their for their budget should also be on a zero based budget, and they need to be able to uh, line by line explain why they need that money and what they're spending it for, and it should be published uh, in plain language to the people to 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 be able to see what they're doing with the money. Well, and I like that idea, um, but at the same time, I also understand the nature of government. Wouldn't it be better to have a zero based budgeting? and a constitutional spending cap so even because you know you may trust you know one crowd of people who are in there doing the right thing doing zero base but we've seen how easy it is for one administration or one legislature to discard uh the ideas of the law or whatever and do it their own way uh but with a constitutional limit it's a it, i mean they can still ignore it as they have you know in some areas but they it's a lot harder well, well, the two should work together. Together, the zero-based budget should work together with it with a constitutional with a cap, a constitutional cap. I would love to see that, uh, and I'd love to see that be proposed by you and other uh, uh, you know elected folks here uh, in the. I'd like to see that as one of the first things, which actually leads to the other question, since we're talking about constitutional changes. Uh, others have advocated, including Mike Shower uh, on this program and more, that. The, the political will is just is not there. Even if we change out a bunch of the players, um, we're still looking at a lack of will in a lot of ways because my opinion is is they don't want to fix the problem. They actually revel in the chaos that's caused by the problem because it allows them to do things that they normally would not be allowed to do. I mean, the spending and the, 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 the shuffling around and everything else. Um, I think that they don't really want to fix it. Uh, I think that they like it the way it is. Uh, and so the argument is, is the only way we can do this is through a constitutional convention and actually have the people and their delegates change the actual foundational document. What's your position on the uh, on the constitutional convention? 
I mean, I do see dangers in it, but I think at this point, uh, that's that's kind of how we, what we're going to have to do because you're not going to have any real changes or any real impediments uh, to to uh, the current legislators, uh, and unless we make changes to the Constitution. But you do see dangers. I mean, that's always been my fears. I mean, I was not a hundred percent in the bag for the ConCon because my fear is is that by opening that up. I mean, special interests could get involved in that point. Yes, and uh, I, you know, I'm not uh, I, I'm not a politician by trade, so this is all new to me. But uh, I I think that uh, uh, that we can do much better than what we're doing. Yeah, I agree fully. Uh, as you look at this going into the, um, as you look at this, so you're a supporter of the ConCon, you're a supporter of constitutionalizing the PFD, you want a spending cap, you want a uh, a zero-based budgeting approach, changing the thing. Um, that leads us to, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the four big issues, which, you know, we have the charter of changes. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the four changes are changing the players, changing the venue, changing the rules and changing the budgets. I think you've just kind of hit on the budget thing because we've talked about that as a change. So you support that changing the players. I think it's pretty obvious cause you're in there trying to be one of the new players. So I'm assuming you support the changing the players idea. Yes, I do. Uh, and uh, you know, one thing about changing the players, uh, that people, uh, fail to look at is, uh, you've had a lot of incumbents drop out. And uh, one thing that should be looked at is, are you really changing the players uh, if the people that are running are supported by those incumbents that dropped out of the race? Well, that's true, too. I mean, you look at some of these supporters, and, uh, I mean, I know your your uh, your, your, your previous uh, your opponent mentioned that he was being supported uh, by John Coghill. And, and, and I think, again, I always look at the people who support some of these candidates because it tells me something about the motivations of the positions and the counsel that they will get when they go back home from people who supported them in that uh, in that regard. And you're right. We don't need new players who are puppets of the old players. We need new, fresh new players that come from nowhere and, and are part of it. We can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, the, uh, the second one is, of course, changing the venue. And I'm not talking about, I, I always have to say this, but people always take it the wrong way. I'm not talking about moving the Capitol, leave the Capitol in Juneau, but make sure that the legislative session itself adjourns somewhere on the road system where 85, 90% of Alaskans can climb into a car and within just a few hours and a hundred bucks or maybe now 200 bucks worth of gas can get to their legislators and talk to them face to face, can testify in person on bills and things like that. What say you about changing the venue? Uh, I think that changing the venue is key because uh, if they're sitting down in Juno where they can't be reached, uh, then uh, it, it sets them up to be safe and they can do whatever they want. And we should actually put it on the road system so the constituents can, can get in there and enjoy uh, how our legislators actually work and put their, put their say in on it. Right. Well, the fishbowl of Juno does one thing. I mean, those people with money, power, and influence have no people getting access. Have no problem getting access uh, to our legislators. But the average citizen, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just can't afford to break off two or three thousand bucks every time I want to go down to the legislature and testify on something in person. Uh, it becomes, uh, you know, it becomes much more difficult. I can take a trip to Fairbanks or Anchorage or to Delta or whatever on the road system. 
and uh, and then drive home the same day and still feel like I I I was able to do something face to face. Yeah, and that's that's key. If 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 you can't if you can't reach your legislators, how you how are you going to influence them for change? Right. The third uh, change in the Charter of Changes is changing the rules. Now we've talked about. Um, we've talked about the binding caucus on this program, and it's something that I quite honestly find offensive that legislators would have to promise their vote on a budget that has not had a single line written about it yet, but that they would promise their vote for whatever power a caucus would give to them, committee positions, staff, office size, everything else. Uh, I mean, it really is the height of, uh, of strong-arming and extortion. Uh, at that point, I believe that we need to have the uh, binding caucus outlawed in this state. I mean, it's not even legal in many states. It's not constitutional. And it has been we're the only state in the nation that utilizes the binding caucus rule. Uh, and although we're not using it now in the Senate, it's still being used in the House. What's your take on the binding caucus? Uh, I don't think I think the binding caucus is illegal because it, it, what it does is it, it takes uh, it, it takes the vote. uh the, the legislator doesn't have to listen to his people. He and he has an excuse to say, "Well, you know, I'm I'm part of a binding caucus, so I I they, I just had to vote the way the caucus is," uh, which means you're not really being represented. Right, um, and I and I agree with you. I think it's I think it's immoral, uh, if not technically illegal under the uniform rules. I believe it's immoral and and really unconstitutional. Uh, so I agree with you on that. The second rule is the conflict of interest rules. We've got people who are part of, let's say, the oil and gas industry voting on rules that would affect them directly or commercial fishing or any other industry. Um, I believe that legislators should recuse them, just like every other elected body in the state, an assemblyman, a city councilman, a road service area commissioner cannot vote on things that would have a substantive effect on their livelihood, their income or their lifestyle or those of their close relatives. And I think that those rules should be applied across the board. Uh, And I I agree. And I think that uh, if you... uh have a conflict of interest that you you probably shouldn't be voting on it uh and if you matter of fact if you've been taking donations from those you probably shouldn't be voting on it right exactly the final rule is the open meetings act again every elected appointed volunteer body in the state that deals with funds that are public funds of any kind all have to abide by the open meetings act meaning that you can't have a a significant number of them meeting or talking about things in private. It all has to be open and above board, except, of course, the legislature wrote themselves an exemption to the same rule, which, again, seems to just be a smack in the face to everybody else in the state of Alaska. I don't think that there should be private meetings. I don't think that there should be uh, the ability to shut the doors and trade the votes and do all the horse trading behind closed doors and walk out and do the sham show on the floor of the legislature. What do you say? Uh I think if there's a meeting between three or more people uh, and their and their legislators that that the meeting should be recorded and, and it also should be open to the public because uh, yeah you're right there's a lot of horse trading going on and uh, if you if you wrote the law you should have to follow it yeah um, final uh, final time here Timothy for Alaska dot com by the way is the website Timothy for Alaska Timothy Givens uh, candidate for uh, District 32. I want to give you the final minute here for your elevator pitch. Uh, you just run into somebody, they find out you're running for state house in, in their district. What's your elevator pitch to them as to why they should vote to you um, 
And, uh, you know, why should, why should they vote for you over somebody else? Well, they should vote for me because I am, uh, I am number one, I'm not a politician and I'm, I'm, I believe in responsive and responsible state government and where the state follows the law and works for you. And if, if you elect me, then, then that's what I'm going to do. Uh, it's not what I want. It's what, it's what the people want. Uh, I think I will also include in there your whole idea of any of those changes should go to a vote of the people. Put that in your elevator pitch. Cause I think that, yeah, that sure. I think that's important, man. I really do. I think that, you know, people, and again, it reminds me of my conversation I had with Machiki back the first time I inter- ever interviewed him like six or seven years ago when I asked him, why wouldn't he put that in front of the vote of the people? And they said, well, cause they'd vote with their pocketbooks. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's the whole point. Well, you were talking about the charter of changes and I will say this, uh, if you have enough people that you ch- you change up there and we're able to, to talk and we all agree on these points and stuff, then, then you, you will see those changes. Right. But if you keep, if you keep electing uh, uh, the status quo and the, the business as usual, then you're not going to keep it. Yeah. No, I agree with that totally. Timothy Givens, our guest, uh, we're going, uh, we're going to say thank you to him. Appreciate you coming on board. Uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you again here in the future. Hold the line for just a second, Timothy. Folks, we got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. One final segment. We're going to open up the phone lines for you and see what you guys have to say. We will continue right after this. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio. light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we're back uh, in the break right now. Timothy Givens, our guest, final shot here. Final bite at the apple. Uh, Timothy, uh, anything that we didn't get to that you wanted to cover or anything else? I mean, you know, your top priorities going to the legislature or whatever. Uh, we'd love to hear it. Uh, love to hear from you now. Wait a second, Timothy. Wait a second. We get we got uh, all of a sudden. You sound like you're talking in a tin can on the other side of the world. Are you still with us? I'm still with you. Sir. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. Whatever that was, that was not good. Uh, so yeah, final thoughts here. Okay, so my top priorities will 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 be the the PFD and working towards getting a constitutional convention, uh, working towards the budget, getting uh, getting the things that are going to hold our state more accountable, uh, and and. And helping to help educate the citizen to become more involved and be more responsive to the citizens. I mean, I think that's a noble goal. Um, can you get it done? I mean, that's I guess that's the question. And can you have enough people on your side who are of the same mindset to get it done? And I think you covered that in the last one. Do we keep sending the same people back over and over again and expecting different results? Uh, final question. What, what separates you most from... Uh, both of you, we haven't talked to Van Lawrence yet. I'm going to see if we can get him on. I don't know if he'll want to talk to me, uh, but uh, we're going to see if we can get him on. But what separates you most from your opponents at this point, do you think? Well, uh, like I said before, I'm not a politician, and uh, I, I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. And uh, and I'm I'm going to be open. I'll, uh, even on my webpage, I have the uh, – in an area where they people can contact me, they can contact me on my uh, uh, Facebook page. Uh, I, I answer questions and and I listen, and I'll uh, 
be really for the people. All right. Well, Timothy Gibbons, again, Timothy for the number four, Alaska.com. Um, I suppose I should put that in the chat room because I would be a good radio show host if I did that. Uh, Timothy for Alaska.com. All right. So I put that up in the chat room. People can go check it out as well. Timothy Givens, thank you, my friend, for uh, coming on board. Thank you for running. I appreciate you stepping up there. And uh, uh, you got my support. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, of, of everything that I've heard thus far, uh, you've got the you're the one that most closely aligns with uh, what I'd like to see in the future of Alaska. So hopefully uh, that offers some sway and people will come out and support you. Are you doing any events or anything, meet and greets with people? Uh, I have been going to some that the, the Alaska Republican Party uh, suggested uh, I, I attend. Uh, I think uh, I'm trying to re- I'd have to look it up on my schedule, but I think there's uh, the Alaska Women's Salad Social. I don't know if that went off already. But I did go to the AMAC with uh, Charlie that Charlie Pierce was at. Okay. And uh, any any events that the Republican Party are having, I'm I'm going to try to make a show, and I'm going to be out knocking on doors here shortly. Okay. Well, that's always the important part. I think is going out and meeting and greeting the people face to face. I think it gives them a better view of where you're at. So I look forward to uh, I look forward to hearing from you on that. All right. Well, Timothy, thank you so much. Uh, look forward to hearing more from you, and we will uh, talk with you again here soon. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have you a good f- day. Thank you for coming on board. I appreciate that. Uh, Timothy Givens um, coming on board uh, to talk about his candidacy for House District 32. All right. <laughs> uh I think Harold has just got, he just loves to bring himself up here and work himself up into a lather over things. Oof. And what do you got against people who come from another state? I've noticed this a couple times. Anytime somebody comes from other some other state and lived, decided to, made a choice to live in Alaska, he's got something snarky to say about it. You know, what's his campaign motto? Vote in the Okie? What, he chose to live here? Does that, I mean... Did he have to be born here to be worth listening to? I mean, is that what it's all about? Just, you know, why the hate for people who are from, why the hate for people who are different? Hmm. Why do you, why do you hate? Hate leads to suffering. Um, <laughs> just asking. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um. What else? Uh, I don't know. I suppose I should start the phone systems since I said we're going to take some phone calls. Let me start the phone systems. Haters going to hate. There you go. That pretty much sums up the whole thing at this point. Um, all right. Let me uh, come on. There we go. Boom. I got it. Um, it's going to tell me. Thanks for calling the call in line of the Michael Duke show. Oh, look at that. We got uh, phone lines are now open. All right. So phone systems are open. We're logged in. We're getting everything squared away. I had the phone systems off this morning. So uh, it's open and ready to go. Um, we're we're going uh, we're gonna to continue on here. Um, how Alaskan are you if you live in Anchorage? <laughs> Says Brian. <laughs> I know that's how some people feel. How, how can you? Oh, man. Um, all right. Um. That's it. I guess I'm just looking. I'm scrolling back here through the through the uh, 
the CONCON could answer the locations could answer the location system. It could be written to force the legislature to meet on the rail belt. That is true. I hadn't considered that. That's a good point, Michael. Thank you for sounding off. All right, here we go. Jumping back in. Well, wow, that was a fast show, wasn't it? I love it when it's so quick. Just love it. All right, one final segment of the show today, and here's where we get a chance to talk to you. Phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. The phone's powered by our friends at Satellite West. You can find out more about them, uh, by the way, at SatelliteWest.com. Uh, we're going to go over to the phones and just get your hot take on anything we've been talking about this morning. We'll start off over here and see what's uh, going on. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Charles from Fairbanks. Good morning, Charles. What's on your mind? I have a reference to you for you about... Federal Reserve System is something called the Hazard Circular, written from 1862. The fractional reserve banking was, you know, pretty pretty much begun then in the during the war between the states. And uh, the Hazard Circular explains exactly what the trouble is with even in bonding itself is a ripoff. Fractional reserve banking is a ripoff, and that's the whole story. Uh, Okay. Please read that circular from 1862. It's a real thing. It what, happened. What was yeah. it? What was it called again, Charles? The Hazard Circular, named for Charles Hazard. He was a banker in England. He said this to the banks in the United States. Okay. Uh, 1862. The Hazard Circular. Like first okay. guest. All right. Well, thank you, Charles. Hazard circular. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, thank you for sounding off and joining us. Um, all right, phone lines are open now. That leaves all four lines open. If anybody, um, um, you know, anybody wants to join in and uh, sound off this morning, we got a few minutes here to do so uh, at the uh, as we wind things down here. Coming up uh, later this week, in case you're just joining us and missed. Uh, Missed a great conversation this morning. Eskimo Libertarian was on in hour one uh, and just finished up with Timothy Givens here in hour two. You can go back and listen to it on the podcast, which is available, well, wherever you find podcasts. So CastBox, Stitcher, uh, uh, you know, Apple, uh, Apple Podcast, iTunes, Google Play, and of course, Spotify. Uh, is a great place to go back and listen to the podcast. Or you can just go back to Facebook or YouTube and watch the replay on our live video section. Those are a good way to do it. On Friday, we've got some guests coming up, including confirmed already Robbie Sove from Reason Magazine will be with us to talk about gun rights and uh, gun laws in the United States and the effect of Uvalde and the lack of just there's a whole it's, it's there's a whole conversation there. We're going to have a good 40-minute conversation with him. And then in hour 2, Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion Season 4 will be joining us and Willie Waffle tomorrow working on Mike Shower uh, and potentially another guest, maybe Sarah Palin or, I don't know, Donna. We'll, we'll figure it out. I, I haven't got it all nailed down yet, but we will get something worked through for tomorrow. 
Meanwhile, back to the telephones we go at uh, 907-433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Bubba from North Pole. Hello, sir. What's on your mind? Well, I'm going to let my ignorance stand out here right now. Um, I broke my hip back at the end of March, and so getting up at 530 in the morning stopped happening for a while. Okay. And I've come to the conclusion after all this time, because I'm back to work now, that I was getting my local news from the Michael Duke show. Okay. Because um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't get the fish wrapper. Right. And I don't go on Facebook or any of that stuff. So I've got no idea. Can I just ask a simple question? Where are we at with the permanent fund? Where are we at with the permanent the, fund? The permanent fund dividend. Right. Dividend. So... Right. Essentially, we're going to be at uh, $2,850. You're going to get a $1,250, and I'm sorry, $2,550. You're going to get a $1,250 PFD plus a $1,300 energy relief payment to each PFD applicant as well. So we got a chunk. We didn't get what near what we were hoping for. We were hoping for the $3,200 statutory PFD. But that was defeated uh, in the uh, that was defeated in the legislature. Although it was proposed by um, it was proposed by Mike Shower uh, and had passed uh, uh, up at one point, but was ultimately defeated um, uh, in the long run. So we've got uh, we've we've got it we've got it coming, but we'll see uh, we'll see what happens um, as we go through. But it, it it's not nearly as big as it could be. Can I make a suggestion? A quick suggestion. You can. When you have a guest on, yeah. When you have a guest on, um, make that one of the questions. Where did you stand on the permanent fund dividend? Yeah. So everybody knows. Get their vote out in front of everybody. Yeah. No. Absolutely. We've uh, um, we we've said that, and we've we worked through that, and hopefully, um, we'll uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens here. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm sorry. I can remember John. I can remember John Coghill was, uh, yeah, I'm all for the permanent fund, uh, not the dividend. He was all for the permanent fund. Yeah, um, exactly. So, okay. Yeah. Words that mean. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Bubba. I have for... to get up earlier now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I know you're. I know you're one of our older demographic, but you know, you can always listen to the show later on the podcast. It's pretty easy. So. Don't forget, yeah. you, okay, can, there you, go. you can do that as Thanks, well. <laughs> Thanks so much. I mean, I don't want to shame anybody, but, you know, PFD is, I mean, the, uh, the, the podcast is available everywhere. Anywhere you find good podcasts, you can type my name in and you should be able to find it. So pretty easy, even if you sleep in. And I don't, look, I don't feel, I don't shame you for sleeping in. You guys would be embarrassed for me if you knew how late I slept in on days that I'm not doing the show. Embarrassed for me. I mean, the other day I slept 14 hours. <laughs> 14 hours. <laughs> because I was tired. <laughs> it takes a lot. When you got to get up at 345 in the morning every morning, Monday through Friday, you're like, oof. You know? And uh, I still want to spend time with the fam and everything. So... You know, I do not begrudge somebody sleeping in a little bit. It, uh, it, it, it will definitely. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't begrudge that at all. Uh, not at all. All right. Um, 
Exact total on the PFD, asked Marit from the uh, YouTube channel. Um, again, I just gave the totals of what it is. It's $1,250 for the PFD, $1,300 for the uh, uh, energy relief payment. So you're going to receive a payment total of $2,550. But, again, only about half of that is the actual PFD. Is it coming early? Um, the answer to that is um, the answer to that is unknown. The governor has yet to announce that. He may announce that once he gets the budget in hand and starts making some vetoes. He may argue that like the 2020 uh, dividend where it came early in July, he may ask that it be dispersed then. I don't know. It, it may happen, but uh, we'll see. I'm not holding my breath at this point, although sure it would be nice to get it a little early this year, especially in light of what's happening with uh, oil prices and heating oil and everything else. The the projections right now are not good for the fall. They expect that oil prices will continue to rise and heating oil prices will continue to rise. It would be nice to fill that tank up now versus, say, October when the dividends normally come out. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, all right. We're out of time for today, folks. Somebody says that doesn't seem right on the number. I think that's the number. Maybe maybe I've been wrong before. I will be wrong again, I'm sure. But I think that's roughly the number. All right, we got to go. Oh, 3,200. It's not coming early this year, Rob says. Thank you, Rob. I'll get you the number again tomorrow. We'll talk about it again tomorrow. Thank you. We'll see you then. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, so now I'm. There were so many numbers being thrown around. Now I got to go back and look. My God, that was like four weeks ago. I can't even remember my own name. 3,800 total, says Donna. Um, budget passes house 1,300, 1,300, 2,600 combined total. Uh, operating budget. Oh, that's before the conference committee. 3,800, 3,800. Everybody's saying 3,800. So they're probably right. I'm probably wrong. I'm probably remembering. Oh, there we go. There's no PFD for Alaska. All right. <clears throat> well, see, again, too many numbers in my brain today. 3,800 is the consensus in the chat room. So that's 1300 Oh, there we go. $2,564 PFD. Nope, that's from last year. Never mind. It's a big PFD. PFD, not the full one, but uh, you're going to get that plus a $1,300. Or did they cut it down to six fifty? Who knows? I'm going to get back to you on that. $2,550. There's the number. $2,550 plus $650. $3,200 total. Maybe. My God, there's so many numbers flying around in the chat room. I'm so confused at this point. I will get the answer for you in the morning. <laughs> it's, it's a hot mess out there, baby. All right, folks. We will uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> Have a great day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 